Hey, we are so thankful that you're taking the time to tune into Grumlaw Church's podcast. It's our hope that this is an encouragement to you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you'd like to find out more about all things Grumlaw or for more info on our in-person gatherings, you can check us out at grumlaw.com. Now lean in. We're expectant for how God is going to use this time to speak to you today. The, uh, the observation could certainly be made that we are living in the age of perpetual offense. Uh, We're pretty dang quick to criticize, to condemn, to judge, to cancel anyone who offends or honestly who who even disagrees with us. And and what's a little alarming, and we've made this observation throughout this summer, is that that a large swath of those who would wear the label of Christian have have sort of jumped right on board this this cancel culture. Y'all have picked up on this? It's not necessarily actually a new idea, but, but what does feel to be new is how widely we are willing to cast like this cancel net. Meaning, it used to be just like the more well-known politicians and athletes and business leaders, maybe even social media influencers. But, but, but now it's spread to the school teacher who, whose body language you just don't very much appreciate. That the, the friend on social media who, who makes some unforgivable statement, that the family member who crosses some, some invisible line. And, and we've all seen this. It, it doesn't take much. A, a single misstatement, a, a meme that you shared, an eight-year-old tweet. Sometimes the individual didn't really even mean anything by it. Other times it, it was more intentional, but perhaps a moment of, of poor judgment. But, but either way, they are, they are out. And I've seen this in an increasing proportion, again, not just with the well-known, but of greater concern, the individuals that, that we know the best, friends and, and family members. I, I know, of, for instance, multiple families represented right here within this faith community who, who no longer speak to other people in their family because they don't like how they voted in the last election. One sister voted for Trump, a brother voted for Biden. It's unforgivable, so I will literally never speak to you again friends and, and families ripped apart and, and sometimes for, for some pretty petty reasons. I, 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 don't, I don't like the way she looked at me. He, he never responded to that text. He, he left early from that party, from that fa- family gathering. Perpetual offense. Here's what we need to acknowledge uh, right on the front end of this message. If you're on a continuous search to be offended, you will always find what you're looking for. And even more dangerous in the world that we currently find ourselves in, that this type of behavior isn't just tolerated, it's, it's encouraged. Falling into this trap, falling into this cycle has, has never been easier. But, but as we talk about ad nauseum around here at, at Grumlaw, we as followers of Jesus, uh, we're not called to merely blend in, to, to, to fight the world's battles with, with the world's tactics. We as followers of Jesus are called to be, well, different. And here is the difference that that God, uh, your creator, invites you into. This is kind of our our theme verse for today as as we take a look at this so important virtue. In Romans chapter 12, verse 10, a letter that Paul would write to the early Christian church in Rome, he says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. That's kind of our key word this morning. Uh, other translations will read, uh, honor one another above yourself. So, so let, me, let me ask this question, in particular of, of the followers of Jesus watching right now. How, how are you doing in this area? 
Are, are you showing the people around you honor in even greater proportion than what you do or what you would show yourself? Are, are you acting differently from the world around you or just kind of blending in? Well, today, as it would turn out, we start a brand new series that will take us all the way through the month of August titled True Virtue. Uh, as the title of the series would suggest, we're, we're going to be examining some virtues that scripture makes a pretty big deal of, that, that Jesus modeled very well for us, but, but virtues that we tend to, to overlook. Our, our actions speak louder than words. You know that. It, it's easy to give the impression of good character without actually living it out. But, but around here at Grumlaw, we're not content with, with merely listening. What we want to do, we're committed to living like our risen Savior lived. And, and today we're going to be examining this virtue that is so often overlooked but, but matters so much to God. And consequently, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, it, it should matter to, to you. In order to better prepare our hearts for what I believe God wants to speak over each of us today, uh, allow me to pray right now. God, we thank you for how you guide, for how you direct. Um, even I just think of this series as a whole, I, I believe it's so timely for, for exactly what you wanted this congregation to hear at this particular point here in August of 2023. And so I pray that we would just have humbled uh, and softened hearts, ready to receive whatever it is that you would like to speak uh, to us today. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Now, the title for today's message is Honor in a Cancel Culture. Uh, if you brought your Bibles with you here today, uh, you're watching right now, you can probably go and round one up somewhere in your house. If you don't have a Bible, you can always download that YouVersion Bible app when you join us in person. Uh, we have Bibles up for grabs every single week at Grumlaw Central, totally free uh, to all of you. But today we're going to be diving into Mark chapter 6. Mark is one of those four biographical accounts of the life of Jesus that we find right at the beginning of the New Testament. Now, a, a little bit of context here before we get into Mark chapter 6. Uh, Jesus, he has just got done performing two pretty incredible miracles. In fact, a synagogue leader comes to him and pleads with him, hey, my, my daughter is dying, as, as we actually learned and figured out there. Uh, his daughter would end up dying, uh, and Jesus ends up going and, and raising her back to life. But right before that, on his way to heal the synagogue leader's daughter, uh, there's a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years. Uh, a very big deal back at this point in history, because not only did people not want to be near you, because it just kind of freaks them out that you've been bleeding for so long, uh, but there was this term back then called ceremonially unclean. It meant that if you came into contact with blood, you couldn't go into the temple, which meant that you couldn't be close to God. You couldn't be close to the, close to the presence of God. So this woman has been cut off from people and God for literally more than 12 years of her life. And she is so desperate. She thinks to herself, if I can just touch a piece of Jesus's clothing, then I will be healed. And she ends up doing that. She's healed. The bleeding immediately stops. Jesus goes and raises this woman, uh, this young girl rather, uh, back to life. And from there, immediately afterwards, he goes to his hometown. So it's not the place that he was born, but the place that he was was raised, uh, a town called Nazareth. Uh, and, and it's important to note here that at this point in history, at, at this place in the world, people are looking for the Messiah. Like they're, they're talking about it, they're having these conversations, and as it would turn out, that they would look right past Jesus. So, so that is where we pick up here in Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. There it says, Jesus le left that part of the country and, and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? 
Then they scoffed, he's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. They're going like, it's Jesus. Like, yeah, this kind of seems impressive, but like, we knew that dude when he was just like running around and he was like this little boy and he's, he's, he's a carpenter. He's no prophet. He's a car- I mean, he made my end table. Like this guy's not that impressive. And there are his brothers and there are his sisters right over there. They were deeply offended and refused, it says, to believe in him, in Jesus. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. Jesus, as the scriptures tell us here, Jesus was without honor. And more specifically, he was without honor in his hometown. I want to show us this morning a couple of Greek words that that I think will help us to better understand this this term honor. Uh, The the first word is this this word atimos, which means without honor. It means to dishonor, to to treat as common, to treat as ordinary. That there's nothing special about you. There's no reason to treasure you. I shouldn't expect anything from you because you are ordinary. Now, the next word I want us to look at is this word. Uh, it looks like time, but it's uh, pronounced time in, in the original Greek. And this is where we draw this word honor from within the pages of scripture. And, and this word conversely means to value, to respect, or highly esteem, to, to treat as precious, weighty, or, or valuable. Uh, honor, time, it, it esteems, it cherishes, it values, it builds up, it encourages to, to draw one of the values that we have around here. It assumes the best. Conversely, dishonor, it treats as common, it tears down, it belittles, it criticizes, it devalues, it assumes the worst. I, I think one of the best ways uh, that we see this illustrated, that, that is the difference between a timos and time, uh, is when a guy is courting a girl that, that he is quite smitten with. That's a word we all use, right? Smitten. Right? Early days, as you are pursuing this girl, they are lush with honor. You're opening every door. You're buying flowers before every date. You are paying for everything. It is a steady stream of encouragement and compliments that flow from your mouth. And it's not flattery. Like you, you really mean it. He brags about this girl to his friends and to his family. He posts photos on all of his social media accounts. I mean, he is just honor, 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 honor. And eventually, right, she's like, man, I can't resist this dude. Eventually they, they get married. And as the saying goes, right, they, they settle down. And it doesn't happen immediately, but over time, oftentimes what you will see is he starts to take her for granted. A, a, a timos begins to kick in. He, he starts treating her as, as common. He starts treating her as, as ordinary. He, he comes home, he kicks his feet up on the couch. He doesn't help a lick getting dinner together. It doesn't help get the kids ready for bed or, or any other household responsibility. And then at about 9, 9.30, he looks at his wife who has been working her tail off all day long. He, he scratches his growing by the day belly. He lets some noise come out of one of his orifices and he asks, hey, we, we gonna get after it tonight or what? And he's like, man, is, is she turned on. Church, this is really sad. I'm not making a joke right here, but painfully true. I have legitimately witnessed many a man who show greater affection and honor for their dog than their wife. All, all you married couples actually who are watching right now, You want to know the key to a thriving, God-honoring marriage? We actually already covered it. Outdo one another in showing honor. Honor your spouse above yourself. Now, conversely, you want a common marriage? The type of marriage that has become all too pervasive in our Western world? 
treat one another as, as ordinary. Let me lean in just for a second longer on this point and kind of pick on the married couples just a little bit longer. Uh, unfortunately, or, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, I, I often will sit with couples when, when their marriage is falling apart. From their viewpoint, it's on the verge of divorce. And, and a common sentiment that, that I hear from both sides is, man, if my husband was a fraction of the man that I married, then I would show him honor. If my wife was a fraction of the woman that I married, then I would show her honor. Maybe your husband, maybe your wife, maybe your spouse would be living more into the fullness of who God created them to be if you spent your days honoring him, honoring her, rather than treating him or her as ordinary. Church, I'm not afraid to to admit this to to all of you, that the most significant factor into me, Shea Prisk, stepping into who God has created me to be outside of the saving grace of Jesus Christ, and that cannot be overstated, is my God-fearing wife who has been honoring me since day one of our marriage. Let me reel it back in. Here's how we typically think. Once you act honorably, then I will show you honor. Once you live or behave in a way that you deserve honor, then at that point, I will ascribe honor to you. But by the way, uh, if you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus and you're watching right now, this makes complete worldly sense. This follows a very, very logical line of thinking from a pagan viewpoint. Now, now I wanna park there for just a quick second. Oftentimes we hear this term pagan uh, and we think we're trying to be confrontational. That's not the intent. In fact, when you pick up and you actually read the Bible for yourself, you, you see this word pagan pop up all over the place. And in the scriptures, it isn't intended to to carry a negative connotation. It was just a statement of fact. Pagan is this term that means you don't believe in God. You don't believe that there's a God out there. You don't believe that there's a God that intervenes. You believe that things just happen because they happen, but there's certainly not a God out there. So again, this follows a very logical pagan viewpoint. But, but, But in the kingdom of heaven... That is the kingdom that followers of Jesus are, are included amongst. That there is a big old difference between respect and honor. R- respect is earned, honor is given. See, see honor is, is a posture of the heart. Honor says, I will treat you with honor, I will treat you with dignity, even if you are not yet acting in an honorable way. Why? Why would we do that? Because you as a human being are an image bearer of the most high God. That there's quite literally something divine inside of you. God placed a part of himself inside of you when he very intentionally created you. I honor you because that is what God through Christ has modeled for me. God didn't honor us once we started acting honorably. Think about it. No, like the opposite happened. Christ would lay down his life for us while we were still sinners at the peak of our rebellion. Dishonorable behavior was quite literally the mark of our lives. As followers of Jesus, we don't look at one another through the lens of the world that that person's a liar. She's a divisive bigot. He's a disrespectful loser. No, no, no. We view our fellow image bearers through the lens of Christ. We see them as as God created them. 
We declare greatness over their lives before they get there, recognizing how utterly hopeless we once were too before Jesus came along and bailed us out. And here's what's so beautiful, church, and you've probably seen this. When you begin ascribing honor to others, that is, you treat them as special, you treat them as sacred, as you assume the best, as you build them up, as you encourage, that they often, right, they start to live into that potential. That they start living, wouldn't you know it, honorable lives. Now, conversely, when you assume the worst, when you treat others as, as ordinary, you completely overlook their image-bearing status, you, you repeatedly tell them what they're not, you criticize, you belittle. Isn't it interesting that they often live even more dishonorable lives? See, worldly or, or pagan logic says, once you act honorably, then I'll show you honor. But Jesus' followers declare, Honor has already been placed on your life because God created you. When Jesus died for you, it was declared with a huge exclamation point, you have honor. So I'm going to help get you there. I'm gonna help you see that. I'm gonna play an active role in helping you live into your God-given, your God-inspired potential. Now, scripture, as it would turn out, clearly identifies four different groups of people explicitly uh, whom we are called to, to honor. The, the first, and this will probably come as a surprise to no one, is we are called to honor God. And, and I want to make this point very, very clear. You can't skip this step because this is where honor for the rest of the people in our lives spills from. D dishonor the creator, and again, this is just logical, dishonor the creator and you will inevitably dishonor the creation. Now, there are many, many ways that we honor God, and, and I'm not going to be able to go through all of them this morning. Uh, I'm going to move quick here and just kind of give us a couple of examples. And, and I'm going to start with what typically proves to be most difficult for us, at least here in, in our American context. In, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, it says there, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. When you choose to follow Jesus, there's a recognition that every good thing comes from God. Now, now for most American Christians or, or Christians living in the Western world, our, our wallets are usually our last holdout, the, the last thing that we will hand over to God. It, it's why Jesus would teach us that where our treasure is, there our heart will also be. One of the most significant and profound ways, especially again in our Western, very wealthy world, one of the most significant ways that we honor God is by setting aside 10% of our income and giving it back to him. In Christian circles, we would refer to this as the tithe. If God can get your wallet, he knows that, that he'll probably get your heart. But make no mistake about it, this is an act of honor. It honors his goodness. It honors his faithfulness. It reminds us of where it all came from in the first place. We also honor God with, with our bodies. We recognize that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. It is his temple. And as such, we don't participate in, in anything that might undermine his glory. And conversely, we might participate in some stuff that the world might label as, well, weird we're supposed to look as, as followers of Jesus a little bit different. Beware, in fact, of those who, who, who just blend in. We honor God with our, our, our worship. It's not mere lip service. It is the overflow of our hearts. So overcome by what God has done for us, we can't help but sing our praises and thanks to him. 
We're okay with looking foolish before men in order to honor God. If I'm just being, again, brutally honest and vulnerable, it's a bit of a head scratcher for me that you could call yourself a follower of Jesus and month after month, year after year, stand back in complete apathy during the worship portion of our services. And so maybe today is, is your day. You get over yourself and you honor the most high God through singing, through praising his name. In a culture that mocks and makes fun of God, we choose to honor him. Uh, number two, we are called to honor our parents. In, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, it says, honor your father and mother, then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Uh, parents, I, I wanna talk to you here for a moment. Our first responsibility to our children isn't to be their friends. Our, our first, in fact, God-assigned role is to be spiritual authority importing life unto our children. We model and we teach them honor in the home so they'll know how to honor out there outside of the home. I was fortunate to grow up in a home where things like eye contact when you were talking to people was demanded. Yes, sir, and yes, ma'am were second nature. Apologizing for your wrongdoings to the individual whom you hurt or offended was expected. It's a posture of honor that I'm hopefully now passing down onto my children. We honor those who are above us, those who have went before us. If you think for a second that your child is gonna honor their teacher, their future boss, when they didn't show you honor in your home, you're kidding yourself. We don't model this for our kids in the home. We're depriving our children of the blessing that comes from ascribing honor out in the real world. We're called to honor those, number three, in, in authority. In Romans chapter 13, verse one, it says, everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Uh, by the way, we're gonna be unpacking this in far greater detail this fall as we walk through a series called Controversial Jesus. And we're actually gonna do an entire week uh, just on politics that I'm confident will just about make everyone uncomfortable. Uh, and if you haven't been irritated by this message to this point, you, you probably will be now. Uh, church, over the years, um, I have certainly preferred certain political candidates and leaders over, over others. I, I often find myself disagreeing with tone and, and policy. But, but you can guarantee that I will never dishonor one of those leaders from this stage here on Sunday mornings. You, you can disagree without dishonoring. We honor our leaders. We pray for those whom we voted for and, and those whom we did not. We don't have to agree, but, but we, we choose as followers of Jesus to honor. I'm reading a book right now uh, about the life of King David. It's called A Tale of Three Kings, written by Gene Edwards, a book that I would highly recommend picking up. Uh, and in this book, you discover right, that even as King Saul was hunting David down like a dog, he, he still showed honor. The, the President of the United States has never hunted you down with the intent of killing you. Spare me your vaccine joke right now. So if David could still show honor in those circumstances, how much more for us? We as followers of Jesus aren't called to the world's standards because we belong to a different kingdom. So as followers of Jesus, let's act like it. And then number four, scripture clearly asks of us to honor our pastors and, and spiritual leaders. 
Uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, it says elders. Uh, this is a term that we kind of have substituted in, in our more modern language with pastors, kind of synonymous terms. Elders, pastors, who, who do their work well should be respected and, and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and, and teaching. I'm gonna read that one more time. Pastors who do their work well should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and, and teaching, kind of what I'm doing right now. I'm just, I mean, it's in the Bible. I'm just saying, okay, seriously, let, let me deflect a little bit because I, I don't actually want this to come across as self-serving. You want to know the people who are more than worthy of your honor around here at Grumla Church? Those who serve week after week after week in Grumlaw Kids and in free and in alive in our student ministries. Literally tomorrow, some 50 students are gonna be heading up to Camp Forge. It's our annual uh, student ministry camp that we hold every single year in August. Uh, and there'll be a whole bunch of volunteers. I think 12, 13 uh, volunteers are literally taking a week off of work to, to serve some of your kids. Go out of your way to honor those individuals. I'm being serious. There's not a whole lot glamorous about holding crying babies week after week. All volunteer roles, I'm not afraid to say this, that they're not created equally. It is no joke serving in our bear room where our kindergarten through third grade kids like hang out every week. To trying to lead a connect group with a group of boys who are obsessed with potty humor can be a little challenging. To, to those of you who are investing in, in the spiritual life of my children, thank you. We, we honor you for investing in the next generation. And, and to those of you who have a kid who falls from the ages of birth through 12th grade, I, I wanna encourage you, make this the next year be the year of honoring those individuals. Write them thank yous. Buy them gift cards to their favorite places. Show up on Sunday mornings with their favorite drinks, with their favorite snacks. Honor those individuals. Now, as I uh, often make mention of around here, uh, for the followers of Jesus who are watching right now, that which we've just co covered should, should be good enough. You should honor because frankly, that, that is what God through Christ has done for us and, and that's what scripture asks of us. But as is so often the case, J Jesus, he gives us this little extra kick in the pants. In, in fact, something that, that would appeal more to, to the logical side of our brains. We continue in this passage in, in Mark chapter six, verse four again, we've already read this part. It says, then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and, and among his relatives and his own family. And, and then he continues, and because of their unbelief, this is really interesting, because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and, and heal them. Church, this is a very, very important verse. N notice that it doesn't say here he would not. That's not a typo. It, it says that he could not do any miracles uh, among them. Now, now remember, we, we covered that context for a reason. Jesus just got done healing a, a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. He, he literally just raised a, a young girl back to life. She, she was dead. She's breathing now. So, so clearly Jesus had the power but, but here, where there was a lack of faith and honor, he apparently could not do what, what he wanted to do. Now, I'm not going to pretend to understand this passage completely. In fact, this passage has been the source of a lot of debate amongst theologians and biblical scholars over the generations. But, but here is what we know. Here is what is very clear. 
a, a lack of honor and faith limited what Jesus would have done otherwise. When we choose dishonor, it, it not only hurts the people around us, it, it, it hurts you. you. You deprive yourself of the miraculous in your life. I mean, think about it. What miracles has, has God wanted to do for, for you and I? What blessings has, has he wanted to pour out? What, what prayers has God wanted to answer, but he didn't because you lacked honor? Um, I really wrestle with God on, on what I'm about to share right now. Just crazy vulnerable moment as I was literally writing this message and just like, boom, like conviction that God just laid on my shoulders. Um, we as a church, uh, as a staff, uh, those you know, people, especially up in Grand Blanc, we, we, we've been praying very intentionally that this would be the year that God shows us that, that future building permanent home for Grand Blanc. We've been portable now for over five years and there's been ups and downs with that, but it seems like we're at a crossroads right now where it's like, man, we just really need a permanent home. And, and I've been praying that prayer diligently, daily, often, like I'm praying it all the time. But what God convicted me of this week, while I'm praying for that church, simultaneously, as I'm having conversations with, with other people, there's a, a local faith community that is very seriously considering handing the keys over to us. I, I've been taking like these pot shots at this church and the way that they operate and the decisions that they've made. I've, I've been making snide remarks and kind of making fun of them with, with people in like my inner circle. And, and God just kind of pressed on. He's like, what's, what's going on there? Is God really going to respond to that prayer as I dishonor people that, that have been created in his image? P people who, oh, by the way, Jesus saw fit to die for? Why would God usher the, the miraculous into our lives as we simultaneously dishonor those whom he willingly chose to die for? Think about it this way. Uh, if you, for instance, do nothing but, but badmouth my children. I have three kids, you know, Logan, Malachi, and Oakley. And, and I've heard from many people that I trust, like, yeah, man, whenever you turn your back and then your kids are around, they, they just like, they're just like really like saying not so nice things about your kids. They're out of control. You guys need to do a better job parenting. I mean, they just have like not nice things to say uh, about your kids. But, but a couple months goes by and I've heard about this from a bunch of people and, and you get to a moment where you need some help and, and you come maybe just very practically and you say, hey, like we just haven't made a lot of connections here. We need to move and we can't afford to hire a mover. Would you consider maybe rallying some people at, at the church to, to help me move? Or maybe you come to me and you say, hey, it's like it's just been tight lately with finances and we, we really could use some help with rent. Like would the church be willing to lean in in that regard? Um, do you think in that moment, after everything I know to be true of what you've said about my kids, in that moment, I'm going to be more likely or, or less likely to lend a, a helping hand in your time of need? When we do nothing but dishonor people who have been created in God's image, I mean, Scripture actually goes out of its way to constantly refer to us human beings as his children, not members of the club, but, but his children, children Jesus saw fit to die for. Does, does it seem more likely or, or less likely that, that God's going to lean in, that he's going to lean our direction in, in our time of need? Now, I want to be very clear because I don't want to manipulate the words of Scripture right now. When we choose dishonor over honor, it does not mean that God is going to love you any less. But, but Scripture is pretty clear on this point. It, it means that he'll show up less. 
It, it means that he will use you less. He's not going to love you any less. And he has unconditional love towards you. But, but, but he'll show up less in our lives. He'll, he'll use us less. I, I want to end today with uh, where we started. And, and, and it's a very simple imperative that, that God lays out for his followers. In fact, we've, we've already covered it. For the followers of Jesus who are watching one right now, outdo one another in showing honor. How are you doing in outdoing, showing honor to the people around you? I mean, practically speaking, do you, do you leave as large of a tip as possible when you go out to eat or do you look for reasons to kind of dock the tip because you're being cheap and frugal? Do you reach for the check when you're out to eat with friends or family or whatever or, or, or do you hope someone else makes the first move? Are, are you treating your marriage as, as one big honor competition? I mean, you guys fight and when you fight, it's over who gets to unload the dishwasher. Who gets to brush the kids' teeth but before bed? It's a nightly battle in the Priscombe. Who cleans up the yard? Who makes the last minute run to the store? Outserve one another. Encourage one another. Show honor. I feel like over and over, I've been sharing this with couples and it's come through practice in my own marriage and just mentors who are frankly a lot wiser than me. I'm like, man, you want to kind of reshape your marriage? Begin with these three habits. Pray daily for your spouse. Start leaving one note of encouragement for your spouse every day. And do one thing each day for your spouse that you would not normally do. So like some of y'all need to write this down. Pray daily for your spouse. Start leaving one note of encouragement, maybe in their car, on the mirror before they get to work. Leave a note maybe under their pillow on bed. And do one thing for your spouse that you would not normally do. Again, it could be as simple as just unloading the dishwasher. And I promise you, they will notice. And I'm telling you, your marriage with just those three simple things will take such a drastic turn that you will literally lay awake at night wondering yourself, like, it can't be, it can't be that easy, right? I mean, it's got to be more complicated than this. Are, are, are you honoring our, our political representatives and what you post online? Are, are you honoring your friends and, and family and, and how you speak of them when, when they're not present? Are, are you honoring, and get this one, this one cut deep for me, are you honoring your kids and how you speak to them when they are being a bit, let's say, difficult? I, I want to show us a, a handful of pictures right now. This right here, this first picture is a picture of my... Um, amazing parents who many of you know. I, uh, the older I get, the, the more I realize how blessed I am with just incredible parents. And I recognize that some of you watching right now, that has not been your experience. And I, I wouldn't begin to understand why you were dealt that card. But uh, I have amazing parents who from day one of me being on this earth have just instilled what it means to follow Jesus. And uh, Dare I say it, this, this church wouldn't be here today without the influence of these two people right here. Mom and dad, I honor you. I thank you for how you have taught me what it means to actually follow Jesus. Uh, this next picture here is just as weepy with them. This is a couple that many of you probably don't know uh, because they operate a little bit behind the scenes. This is Chad and Ashley Scott. They attend our Heartland campus and really from day one of them walking through the doors of our church. Uh, they have faithfully served in our student ministry, which again, like I said, not all volunteer roles are created equally. It requires you sacrificing a night every week. We, we have a high ask for our student ministry volunteers. We ask them to get involved in the lives of these kids, to go to their games, to support them in extracurricular activities. And, and these two live it out. They, they're going, not surprisingly, to camp tomorrow. Uh, both of them taking a week off work, a week of vacation, 
uh, so again, that they can pour in the students. Chad and Ashley, like again, like there are literally kids whose eternities have been transformed because of how you have selflessly gave. We honor you, we thank you. And then I have one more picture for us. Um, one of the things that God was really impressing upon my heart again this week, this was a hard message to prepare because I'm not knocking it out of the park in this regard. Um, where if I'm being honest, as your pastor, I have spent way more time behind closed doors in private criticizing political candidates that, than I have spent time praying for them. And uh, as followers of Jesus, and especially as your pastor, that needs to change. And uh, I want to challenge this faith community that regardless of who is in office, that we're spending time praying for those individuals, that um, we're not opting to to make snide remarks on social media. Scripture is very, very clear on this point. We we are called to rally around these individuals and and pray for them. And so I actually want to just model that right now. Um, God, we thank you that you are a God who is in control. Uh, we, we, we thank you that you don't look at our world right now and sit up in, in heaven in a panic. And so, God, we, we ask right now that you would give a supernatural wisdom to our president, Joe Biden. We pray that you would uh, grab a hold of his heart in, in a new way that he hasn't experienced before. We pray for wisdom as he makes decisions. We pray that he would not be um, consumed with what the world thinks of him. But again, God, he would become obsessed with what you think of him. We pray, and even in that, in this next election, God, we trust that you are in control. We pray that we would uh, act accordingly, vote accordingly with what you're asking of us, not what of a sibling or something that we read online, that, God, we're we're making decisions in accordance uh, with the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of this earth. We love you. We thank you that we don't have to fight these battles alone. In your name we pray, amen. As followers of Jesus, allow this Sunday to be a seminal moment in your faith journey. Commit to building up rather than tearing down. In fact, think about this. The best way to show honor to God is by honoring those around us, honoring others above ourselves. And after all, think about it. That is precisely what Christ has done for for us.